are no longer slaves to sin. That is the beautiful outflow of the gospel. Hey, thanks for joining us here at the church at Suncoast. Take your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. We love a story. We love narratives and dialogues. They grab us and pull us in. You ever asked yourself why we as humans love reading and going to the movies and the theater and stories about people's lives? Because our life is like a story, is it not? And it's not done yet. There are chapters in our life that are closed and finished and and this year we'll be writing a brand new chapter of our lives and it's always the surprises that comes, the stuff you didn't expect to happen. Uh, it's, it's told writers that if you write a dialogue without conflict and tension, it's called boring. And any conflict, so we love stories because things hit us that we didn't expect. Our lives are changed by this event or that event. A chapter is closed with a certain event of a death and a new chapter begins. Our lives are like stories. That's why we love them. That's why we listen to them. Every preacher and teacher who's ever stood before any crowd knows what it's like to lose the crowd. Now, I still got you because it's young in the sermon, but later on in the sermon, I'm going to start losing some of you. And, and I know because I can see it in your face, you'll do stuff like this. You know, you're going down, you're going out, you're thinking about something else. And every teacher and preacher knows what it's like to tell a story, and all of a sudden the guy or the gal was doing this goes, what's that, a story? You know, last Tuesday I was out in Callahan and I was riding down the road. And um, along at a stop sign there was two people, and they were holding up, I'm not going to tell you what they're holding up, but didn't it grab your attention? Stories do that. That's why Jesus taught with parables. Look with me at chapter 13 of of Matthew and notice his disciples had a problem with that particular method and I'll explain why in just a moment. But verse 10 says this, then the disciples came, notice the subject, the disciples are the ones that are coming. The disciples came and said to them, why do you speak to them in parables? Why are you telling them stories? Now, first of all, I want you to notice that Jesus was the type of leader who people could ask, his men could ask him questions. It tells you a lot about the leadership of Jesus Christ that these men were free to come ask questions. He wasn't an intimidating character. You ever known someone that was intimidated, that you really wanted to ask him a question, but you were afraid to do so? This tells you a lot about Jesus Christ and his men who could come and ask him these questions. So they asked him, why do you speak to them in parable? And the question was kind of like this. Why are you telling them stories and not giving them interpretations of those stories? Now you remember the Sermon on the Mount? That wasn't parables. Sermon on the Mount, by and large, was direct teaching, but the audience in the Sermon on the Mount was his disciples. Early in chapter 5, it says that he went up into a mountain and his disciples came unto him. To them he gave direct teachings, but to the general crowds he just told stories and then moved on to the next story 
and moved on to the next story. And he never stopped and said, this is what I'm, well, I mean, we have an interpretation of one of the parables here, but it, the only reason we have is because the disciples pulled him aside and said, what does that sower of the seeds mean? And they wanted to know why you just tell stories. You're not getting to the direct focus of the teaching. So this is what he said. Verse 11, and he answered them, to you it has been given. Notice, well, let's just read the verse. To you it has been given to know the secrets or mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them. So you have, you have to you and you have to them. You have two very distinct groups, but to them it has not been given. Interesting. Now, if you stop the verses right here and, you, and he said nothing more, then the folks who have a reform mentality who believe that God chooses some to heaven and chooses the rest to hell, they have a point. But Jesus isn't done in the teaching. Some have been given. Notice, notice the some aren't striving to understand. The some have been given the mysteries, the teachings. Some have not been given the mysteries. Well, let's go on and see the rest of what he said. Verse 12, for to the one who has, who is the one who has? It is to you. Who is the you up in verse 11? It is the disciples. A lot of accurate, solid Bible interpretation is simply following the rules of grammar. The who, what, where, when rules. The you is the disciples. The, but to the one is the disciples. To the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But the second group, for, for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So who are the ones who have, and what is it that they have? They obviously have something that the other group doesn't have that makes the the, the imbibing of these truths possible and the other one has and there's going to be more and more given to that one who has. We've already identified the group who has as disciples. What does a disciple have that the crowds do not have? You ready? Faith in Jesus Christ. They have a heart that has been open to believe that he is who he said he was. Notice he doesn't give any teachings in the gospel about his redemption. Isn't that interesting? He never stops. In the, 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 now he warns his disciples when he gets cr- close to the cross that he's going to die and he's going to be resurrected. But there's no teachings about that. There's ethical teachings of the kingdom and the mysteries of the kingdom. These men have said, we believe you are who you say you are, the king. The rest are just looking from a distance. So if a person has faith, they have the ability and capacity to receive what he's saying and the others don't. Think of it like flying an airplane, if you will. And you've got the airplane and you're over the Pacific Ocean and you're having trouble and you've got to land the plane. Well, you're looking, obviously, you don't have, well, you don't have the things to go on water. So you're looking for what? You're looking for land, man. You're looking for an island. Well, you find an island that's all rocky and wooden. Here I am telling you a story. Those of you who went away for a few minutes, you're back. 
So, so the plane is flying around and it's looking for an island, but it's looking for more than just an island. What else is it looking for? If it finds an island, it's looking for what? A place to land. You can't land in the side of a mountain. You can't land it in heavy brush. You'll be killed. You're looking for a strip that's been cleared off so that you've got, and you've got to have it long enough, and you've got to get in there with that plane and land that thing. This is what Jesus is saying. Those who have faith in him have a landing strip in order for the plane to land on. Those who have not bent their heart and knees to Jesus Christ do not have the capacity to understand spiritual truth until they believe on Christ. You see, in the, in the Bible, we don't learn in order to believe. We believe in order to learn. Faith cometh by truth, by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by truth. And once that's believed, all of a sudden a landing strip would open up and now you have the capacity Paul said in Corinthians, he said, he that hath not the Spirit of God cannot receive. You have to have the Spirit of God, something placed inside of you. So that doesn't answer our question of why he's telling this stuff in stories and parables. So let's read on. He says in verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear. They have no landing strip. They can't look at me directly and get truth, nor do they understand. Indeed, and let's just stop there. How many of y'all, when you're a little, little kid, your mom or dad told you, don't look into the sun directly? It'll blind you, right? A lot of stuff we were told as kids scared us half to death. And what's the first thing you did when your mother told you, don't go out and look in the sun because it'll blind you? You went out and looked in the sun, and you came back and said, Mom, I can still see you. I don't know what the problem with all that is. <laughs> but you can't really look directly into the sun. you got to have sunglasses on. you got to look at it through, I mean, you, you will hurt your eyes. You just stare into a naked sun. Parables are because these people do not have the capacity to receive truth directly. So he's telling them stories in order to try to still reach them. He cannot hit them directly with his teaching. Therefore, in order to grab their attention and pull them in and make them think about stuff, he's telling them stories. Okay? Armadillos are chewing up my yard. It's because it's wet out and there's mud and they love it and they're making a mess of things. I have missed the last eight armadillos I have shot at. It's becoming a personal embarrassment to me. I tried to gain comfort from three or four men that I talked to at a party recently, and one of them told me, you know, Mike, it's not the gun. <laughs> so I thought, why am I, why am I missing these? I'm, I'm 12 feet away with a 20-gauge shot. Why am I missing these things? So I thought to myself, you know, Maybe it's because I'm pointing it directly at them. So I went out the other night, two nights ago, and there he was, big old nasty rodent-looking thing, and, and he stopped, and I pointed the shotgun down at his feet. Because when you shoot a shotgun, it's going to rise some. Shot it right at his feet. That thing just went to tumbling. Got him right in the side. I can't shoot directly at him, but I shot away from him, and the shot eventually, that's a parable. That's why Jesus did it. 
It's an indirect shot that's going to hit him later on. How many stories did he tell that made the scribes and the Pharisees angry? They wouldn't listen to him directly, but he told this story. And at the end, they were red-faced and boiling and angry. He got his point across. He got their attention. Let me tell you a parable. Let me tell you a story. Ready? There was a pigeon whose name was Joseph. And Joseph decided that he would start a little community of pigeons, but he didn't want to do it alone. So he called two other pigeons, and together they joined a threefold leadership of a little pigeon community. And things went on pretty well for a while. The community began to grow, but Joseph felt like the other two pigeons weren't bringing enough breadcrumbs back to the community. And he began to try to make moves in order to get the other two pigeons to do their share and to do what he thought, even though the community was growing. Well, you know what happened. They had a big ruckus and feathers flew and beaks came down on each other and they just, they began to tear into each other. And there were factions within this little pigeon community. And Joseph pulled back and took those pigeons who saw things from his point of view and stomped out, leaving a mess of the community. Well, in leaving, they walked across a swamp called Mura. It was a little swampy, wet area called Mura. And they got mud all over their little pigeon feet. And the mud dried. And they formed a community north of that little pigeon community, a new one on a frozen pond. And on that frozen pond, the, the mud on their feet began to melt down and cut into the ice. It made a mess of things. But they ignored it. Rather than go clean their feet off, the mud just kept digging into the ice. And one day, as Joseph the pigeon was making a great oration and, 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 and just throwing out the feathers and beaks and wings, the, the ice cracked. And the entire community went down into the pond and never they were never heard of again. You like the story? You want the interpretation? Jesus would just move on to the next story. I'll give you the interpretation at the end of the message. That's what he did. If you want to say something, tell it in a story if people will not listen to you. All right. All right. I better tell you the interpretation. You're not going to listen to the rest of the sermon, Okay. It's a story about the new year. It's a story about the messes sometimes we make in life, and then we try to move on to something new. And it doesn't normally work well when we do it like that. Now, there are messes in our lives we can't, mess, we can't clean up. But if there's things that have happened between you and someone else, and you can make that right, do that. Because you can't build something fresh and new on the staleness. That, that swamp's name was Mira. That's Hebrew for bitterness. You take bitterness of an old situation into the new year, into a new marriage, into a new family, into a new job, into a new church. It's going to poison everything. You can't do it like that. It won't work out well. And that's the interpretation of the parable. Okay, look at verse 14. Jesus quotes from Isaiah, indeed in their case is the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see, but in seeing you will never perceive. For this people's heart is waxed dull. It is grown dull. 
and with their ears they can barely hear. Notice, and their eyes they have closed. You see that? A decision to close the eyes. A parable is an expression of infinite love that will not give up on people that are listening to what you say, but they're not getting it. I will try, God says, I will try, Jesus said, in any way I can to get to these people because I love them. I will not give up on them. Can I give you a presupposition before you come into this particular teaching? Jesus never told, never told parables to hide truth. He didn't come to do that. He came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal himself. But when he couldn't do it directly to them, he did it through a story. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, this is his desire, and I would heal them. Isn't it interesting, the seeing, the hearing, the understanding, and all of a sudden Jesus goes to the core of the pain. He's not talking about intellectual understanding. He's talking about pain, injury, sin, debilitating, crippling sin in their lives. I will heal that. Isn't that beautiful? And then he says in verse 16, I love this, but blessed are your eyes. Well, they see. They see because you believe. You want to understand? Believe on Christ. And then progressively, spiritual truth will be added upon, added upon, and you will have it in abundance. But you don't have it in abundance by studying and thinking and figuring it through. It's by the Spirit of God that reveals truth to us. As our hearts remain open to it. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Do you understand that if you know anything about the God, if you're born again and you understand spiritual truth, you are, you are in a, a very select, small community in this world. The brilliant, the, the rich, the wealthy, the famous know nothing about this. But you and I do. Isn't that beautiful? That's incredible. Don't ever take that for granted that you are the recipient of spiritual truth because the Spirit of God dwells in you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, believe on Him. Call out to Him by faith. Receive Him. And it begins the channel. It opens up the landing strip for all the truth that God wants you to know. For truly I say unto you, many prophets and righteous people This is the Old Testament guys and gals long to see what you see. They didn't get to see it. They died before I got here. To hear what you hear, they didn't hear it. Well, you say, I didn't live in the first century and I didn't get to hear Jesus, so I guess I'm with the Old Testament. No, you're not. The Spirit of God comes into you. You hear everything he says like a megaphone like way beyond what these guys were even hearing in the first century. Give you three things, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Parables shade the light so it can be seen. That's what stories do and parables do. They shade the light. They give you the ability, the loss of the ability to understand truth when they can't look at it directly. That's what stories do. That's what parables do. 
They shade the light so we can be seen. Number two, parables draw us into truth that we would otherwise reject. I mean, go up up to the average person on the street. They could probably tell you a parable or two of Jesus, a story that he told. The purpose is it draws them in and they walk with that thing all the time. And at any time, the Spirit of God can convict and speak through a story. It draws. It gets your attention. And number three, and we're done, parables are hard to forget. They really are. You know, sower in the seed. Parables are difficult to forget. And that's why he gave them. He never gave them to hide truth. He never gave them to, to take the select few that had and just pour it on and keep the outsiders outside of truth. It was the infinite love reaching to the outsiders to pull them into truth in the only way they could possibly understand. So I ask you here today, do you know Christ as your Savior? Because you don't get there by figuring it out. You don't get there by study. You get there by bending the heart to the King of kings and Lord of lords about believing on Jesus Christ. And that faith opens the door to spiritual knowledge. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about natural knowledge. We're not talking about something you can learn in a book. This is the Spirit of God opening the heart to truth. Truth that Christ died for your sins on the cross. The truth that when he died, you died with him, were buried with him. The truth that you are eternally secure in Jesus Christ. The truth that he is your high priest and nothing can take that away. The truth that we are in the kingdom of God, not by our efforts, but by opening our hearts to faith by all that he has done. The truth that when he said, it is finished, I understand that it's the finishing of my Christian life and I'm as good in heaven as if I'm right there right now. No matter what happens in my life, it's by the will of God that it comes. And so I embrace it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything. Because I know he's in control. The truth that he is the center of the universe. He, Christ, who is mocked in this world and rejected and spurned. And you can say all kind of religious prayers in the marketplace you want. But when you say in Jesus' name, that is railed upon and hated. We are the small community of believers who are trunching our way toward, that's not even a word, I'm going to use it, trunching our way to Mount Zion, to the kingdom, the city of the Holy God. Community of faith. Lorelai was in the Wednesday night service a couple Wednesday nights ago. And we have a, a kind of a Socratic seminar setting in there where thoughts and, and questions and scriptures thrown out and people we, we just take input and, and we just learn together as a, a body. And she tried several times to ask and, and try to get the answers. And on the way home, she said this, Pop, how do they all know the answers to all those questions? It's because over time, by the Spirit of God, he has revealed, revealed, revealed. And all of a sudden, like a foreign language that you didn't know, you're able to speak now. But you've got to be born into this foreign language by being born again of the Spirit of God. Lord Jesus, I pause and pray and thank you for the revealing Spirit of God who reveals these truths. I pray for anyone here in this, this 
room right now who has never given their heart to Jesus, who has never believed on Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would call on the name of the Lord to save them today. For we who know you, we thank you that our eyes see. We pray for the multitudes and people we bump into all the time who do not see. They bark like dogs because they're dogs and they... and their, their heart needs to be changed. And so we pray that as we share truth, we might use a parable or a story or use the parables of Jesus. We thank you for knowing you. We ask you to bless in the study and preaching today in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for joining us today at the church at Suncoast. We pray that the message was a blessing to you. If we can be of any help, don't hesitate to contact the church on our Facebook page or at suncoastjacks.org. If you are in the listening area, we'd love to have you attend any of our services. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time.